You're listening to Fish Food, where we present bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 25 minutes or less. Keep listening for interviews, guidance, and resources for freelancers and small businesses. And if you enjoy, rate and subscribe to let others know about the gem you found. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Fish Food, a podcast from Little Fish Accounting. I am your host, Keila Hill Trawick, and today I am here with the leader of all things at Nubian Human. Hello, how are you, Anika? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Why don't we start with you giving a brief intro to who you are and what you do? Well, my name is Anika Hobbs. I am the owner and chief curator for Nubian Human which is a social enterprise that focuses on independent artists of color. So we have two locations, physical locations in D.C. and Baltimore. But we've worked with artists from all over the world. Right now, it's about over 400 artists from about 30 different countries and um, six different continents. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, we'll go back a little bit because I imagine that when you started this (laughs) you didn't necessarily expect to be here. So how did you start the business? What were you thinking that the mission or kind of the outcome of this play would be at the beginning? Well, you know, the thing is, is that I always wanted to normalize buying Black. So that's like the tagline that we use now. My background was in retail and I learned so much through the retail process, uh, having a career in it. But I just felt like when I would be around the garments, I didn't have a connection to them. And then I would meet like amazing artists from all over the world when I was traveling and they didn't have a brick and mortar, you know, Uh, this predates when everybody had a website too, but they didn't have a brick and mortar space where you could actually interact with their pieces. And so it was just, you know, my mission in, in using my education and my career to propel independent artists. Now, you took a different route than probably a lot of people have taken when it comes to building stuff like that, because you specifically wanted to deal with independent artists, usually small businesses. Why did you choose that route as opposed to kind of the general wholesaling overview from major companies that we generally see? Um, I mean, just being in retail, you learn learn a lot, especially on the corporate side. You learn a lot about mass production and what happens in that process. And, you know, we live in a capitalist society. So you just know that it's like you got to be a big fish, right, in order to get into some of these these bigger retailers. But for me, it was like the creativity, the life, um, you know, the pieces come to life as art and creativity when you're working with smaller artists. And I think for me, it was just you just you can see that opportunity of where people marginalized people are not getting that opportunity to get their product to the forefront. And so for me, it was like, I I see an opportunity and uh, I really want to build something for that. That's fantastic. And I, it's, it's honestly something that you don't see very often, especially when it comes to retail, because, you know, margins, all of those things, people are like, well, I need to go as big as possible and get as much as possible. And one of the things or the biggest thing that you have to offer, at least to artisans and people who want to operate kind of out of your space is location and actual space, which is kind of the the lead in that most people want and can't take advantage of. 
What do you see when you're talking to the small businesses that either apply or want to be a part of your space? What do you see is kind of a hurdle that gets them from actually building a business, having an idea, saying that I want to sell something, and then crossing all the bridges it takes to actually show up in a space? Mm. I think having a total product that they can be confident in, right? So as you get into business, you learn, you know, you learn about like lean startup canvas, for example, like just learning how to build a product, study the product, study the market, get feedback and pivot however you need to in order for it to be something that people actually want. I think sometimes for us, uh, we come to a place where we create things, but it's not scalable right? It's not anything that can be produced repeatedly. And so I feel like there's an opportunity in in that side, just knowing what people want and then being able to reproduce. So there's a lot of people who come and they're like, well, I make these one-off pieces of jewelry or I make these one-off pants. And it's like, that's really great. But in order for us to really get some money into you, it's like, you've got to be able to produce. Just knowing buying cycles. So a lot of times you know, we buy seasons ahead, right? So right now we're buying for spring, summer. And a lot of times in the middle of July, I'll have an artist will come and they'll be like, oh, I have these really great pairs of shorts. And I'm like, that's cool, but we're already buying for the holiday season in July. So it's it's knowing cycles, it's knowing their product, it's knowing how to build products. It runs the gamut. It depends on the artist, but then you, you meet artists who are just on top of it. You know, they have their line sheets. They know their margin. Uh, they know their cost of goods. They know um, how their products turn. They know their top sellers. Um, you buy from them and then they follow up with you, which is always awesome. They have like real terms. So we have a purchasing agreement, but they themselves have their own terms, which is also great. So there are, you know, there are artists who know. There are artists who know the game. And I guess, and I don't know because, you know, I feel like I'm (laughs) community adjacent in this field since it's not what I do, but I work with a lot of artisans and clients who kind of move in these same circles. Is the information just not available? Is it a combination of, I don't want to say people don't take the time to learn it, although I know some people don't, or is it that there's not a very good resource for people to go to, to know where to start. Cause like we've talked about before, most of us, when we start businesses, we're just like, I want to do this. Let me get out here and make it. And don't realize until they approach somebody like you or try to get into a store or do something else that they're like, wait, you're like 12 steps behind. It's all this other stuff that you didn't do because you thought I'm good at this thing. I want to make a business out of it. Well, I mean, I think you, no matter what, you have to start somewhere, right? You know, like I, my background was in retail. I had extensive knowledge on how to open a store, but when I opened my own store, that was a completely different process, you know? So there were still hurdles and leaps that I had to go through, even though I had 10 plus years of understanding of the business through a, through a corporate lens. I think we're in the information age, so it's out there. But I just think that taking the time or just even knowing, you know, like some people just don't know, like those small things, like following up with the buyer of a company, you know, if that's the, if that's the place you want to be, follow up with the manager or the buyer. Like a lot of people just don't know that. And, you know, it takes time. It it all takes time to figure it out, but it's not, I don't want to say that the information is just not out there, but you're, if you're not in any way aware of that information, then you just don't know that it's. 
Yeah. And it's interesting because as you say that, I think about kind of some similar things that come up with accounting, which is this idea that sometimes people think it's the real complicated stuff that messes them up, like taxes or, you know, to your point, all of these documents that you need. And really, it may just be a sense of communication and organization. So like you said, if you knew, hey, follow up with this person, speak to this person, reach out to somebody for X, Y, Z, you could probably get additional information. But if you don't have that first level of like, I should talk to them. Right. It seems like it'd be hard for you to get to the other steps. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned at the top of the podcast, all of the, just the sheer number of vendors and locations that you deal with in terms of artisans and artists that sell products out of your stores. How do you manage that process? Like, how is it to deal with, I mean, anything from time zones to you know, international currency to billing to how do you, how have you come to a point to manage to say, at the very least, even if you don't feel like it's perfect, you feel better organized than you probably did when you first started? How do I manage all of that? Well, you know, number one is, of course, the team. For me, it's like when you start at Nubian Human, you do the whole training with me right now. And I basically pour six years of Nubian Human information and then, you know, whatever I have from before that into uh, that training. For me, it's like I pour as much as I can into my people in the beginning to make sure that they are set up for success in their position. And so, yeah, I would say number one is, is just having the people. Number two, I think my big pillar for myself is being honest and real. So I'm very real with my artists. I'm very real with anybody I interact with. So that kind of breaks down the barriers of like this stringent corporate relationship. So there's some leniency in that. I really treat folks like family as much as I can. And so I think that helps me to manage. But then, you know, there's so many programs and things like that. So I am an Excel nerd. And so (laughs) at least I like to think so. Maybe an intermediate nerd. You know, I just love spreadsheets. I love to see the numbers. I like to see how much the profit is. I like to see selling speed. You know, I use a lot of sheets, a lot of programs. I just got on Dubsado, which you put me on to. And, you know, we use Trello and, of course, Google and a lot of other programs just to, like, keep ourselves in order. But it is a lot. It is a lot. But the first thing I would say are the people. Yeah. And I would say, too, when we talk about we've been talking a lot about the stores, but beyond the stores, you have an online site, you have events, a lot of different streams. Did you start out with several different streams of revenue or did you start with one place and kind of add the others as you went? We started online and I kind of went into that like kicking and screaming because I was less like my background is in interior architecture my professional career is all in visual merchandising. So we need to have space, you know? And then my graphic designer was like, oh, yeah, you need a website. And I'm like, fine. So I started out with a website and then we opened the store. And then, you know, I just knew events had to be part of the equation because of the location that we're in and being a new brand, people needed to know who we are. Even the company that I worked for, they had a whole guide on how to do events. So I was like, well, I, you know, I know how to do that too. So then that kind of started things like the black love experience, for example, but, you know, not to be honest, not until I would say like a year ago, did I really acknowledge the online store as like another business? You know, I was just like, oh yeah, we're online. Just go there to check us out. But 
it's an actual business. And so I've been really focusing more on that side of it. And what is that like in terms of managing the people that the vendors either at the events or in the store, is that a different process for you having to manage them in one kind of lane versus another, or does it all go through the same process internally? Typically before, well, right now we have the position open, but um, we did have an event planner. So they would, you know, specifically work with people who wanted to have partnerships with us inside or outside of the stores. And so she kind of like made that track as far as if you're an, an artist that works with us, you pay this price. If you're an outside artist and you pay this price, you rent the space or, you know, we have a revenue share, you know, it all depends. But then, you know, the buyer, she has her own conversations with artists when it comes to wholesale or consignment and customs, shipping, fabrics, all of that stuff. So it depends on what's happening with the artist. I can imagine that once people know that you have a space and you have and you're open to allowing vendors and others to come in and sell out of your space, you probably got all kinds of people that are like, yo, I make something. Can I sell <laughs> yes. <this story?" laughs> yes, all the time, all the time. How would you recommend that people prepare to even move into that space? So let's say I'm making something, I'm doing something, some um, product, and I think that I'm ready to come to you with a pitch to be able to sell out of your store. What advice would you give for someone to get prepared for that stuff? We have a form online that we send everybody to. It's an artist submission link on our website. Pretty much they fill in all their information. They talk about their product, any of their social media links, their websites and things like that. Um, the reasoning behind their product. That gives us the opportunity to, to dig and research into that brand. And then we follow up if we feel like it's a good fit for us. Does it work in our mission? So that's one part of the process. Should we say, okay, this brand definitely works for us, then we'll ask for like a line sheet. You know, the line sheets basically just tells you what the product is, the wholesale price, if there's any minimums or anything like that, ingredients for some of them. And that's how we do our ordering from there. For the most part, we, we work with brands that have a line sheet or, you know, they'll ask us, how do I make a line sheet? We show them and then they, they present to us in that way. So that's pretty much how it works with getting in with us. If it's a new brand, typically we'll do consignment first just to kind of like test the market before we put any money down. And then if it's a brand that's actually been working, then we we bring it on and we, we purchase wholesale from them. I feel like that's an important distinction to make because I think that a lot of people probably just assume like I make a thing, I'm just going to sell it out of your store. I may not really understand the difference between wholesale and consignment and what right. the pros and cons of each of those are. Can you just give like a brief overview of the difference between selling your product wholesale somewhere versus selling on consignment? Consignment is pretty much like someone will bring in a product and we'll hold it for a certain length of time. So ours is 60 days. We'll keep it in the store. It's on our shelves or promoted on social media. We'll have it on our website. Should that product sell, the artist gets 60% and then we get 40% of the sales. Whereas in wholesale, like I said, you present your line sheet and we pretty much buy bulk of your product at a cost price for us. So then that way we can have a markup where we're able to make a profit from it. So we're putting money down in the beginning to you know purchase your product. And then once that happens, we own it. Whereas in consignment, we don't own the product. So should the artists want to come back and pick their items up, they're more than welcome to. That's a good point. Just for like a quick account accounting tip, people, consignment means that it's still your inventory. 
Like it doesn't belong to the person <laughs> that you handed it off to. <laughs> Wholesale right. is off your books. Um, I end up having that conversation a lot where I'm like, that's still yours. You didn't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> on somebody else's shelf, but it belongs to you. So you have been doing this for a while, years. You've been in this game for a minute and you work with artists big and small kind of across the country and across the world. What is your favorite part about what you do? There's like this kid in a candy shop feeling every time like there's an artist that we work with and their package comes in and you're like opening that box. It's like Christmas every time. (laughs) Uh, It's so exciting. And it can even be items that are just coming back in. But it's like every time there's an opportunity, it's like, what is this? What is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Oh, this is cute. You know, it's just so exciting. But then there's just like, I'm always proud, you know, like this is shelf store quality and it's made by somebody that looks like me. And there's nothing like that feeling of selling that product, like actually talking about it. Our customers are super informed consumers. So they, they want to know the ingredients or what does this ingredient do or what does this stone represent? Like they want to know everything, the pattern about it. And it's that exciting feeling when I can talk about a product that I'm like super passionate about. Even being in doing it for six years, I'd still get that excited feeling every time we get product in the store because I'm excited to sell it. I'm excited, not like, oh, I'm going to make all this money off of it because as you kind of stated earlier, like the margins aren't like Walmart margins, you know, I'm not getting (laughs) stuff for a cent and selling it for $10. Like our margins aren't as strong, but you know that you're highlighting somebody's passion, their work. And there's, it's just such an amazing feeling. Like I would have to say that's probably the biggest highlight of everything. It's crazy because when you explain it that way, it's like you get to see dreams realized. Yeah. All of the talks and all of the plans, it's like it came to this and now I get to put it on a shelf for you. Yeah, exactly that. And put it in the hands of somebody who cares. You've created something you're proud of. I'm proud to put it on my shelf and the consumer is proud to have it in their home. And it's just, there's no fear. There's nothing, nothing like that. Yeah, because to your point, your customers are intentional. It, they didn't just pass by and be like, well, since I'm in here, I'll just grab X. Like they are right. taking things on purpose. Right. That's why we appreciate everybody. Your dollar is your vote. We know that you made the conscious decision to come here. It's not like, you know, we're not like CVS on the corner. It's just, no, I, I'm going to Nubian Human or I'm going to somewhere in the building and I'm stopping by to check this place out. So. It, it means a lot. Like every everybody and every dollar means a lot to us. So excited for what you have going on. Obviously, super proud of the recent like new store opening and mm-hmm. <laughs> all the things that are happening at Nubian Human. What do you want the company to become or do? Like when you look, even in the kind of immediate future of like, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to see happen with the company? You know, the biggest thing for me is for it to be a destination in so many places. You know, before it was like, I want to open a store in these few places. But then I was like, you know, a franchise model came across my desk and I was like, I think that that's something that we need to look into. And so for me, it's kind of like, how can we continue to build our economy and push out empowerment, economic empowerment 
I would say franchising the business across the world, not just in the US, but across the world would be like a huge dream for me. For us, we want to go into like manufacturing, design, um, incubation. I'm really passionate about people learning or at least students learning the business of retail and not just from the point of like, you know, I want to be a store manager or I want to be a t-shirt designer. It's like, there's so many different tracks to retail. You know, there's accounting, there's uh, logistics, international relations, HR. There's so much to the business. And so for me, it's kind of like, I really want us to grow in that in that sector. And what is it like 2.8% of retail spaces in the U.S. are owned by people of color. And that oh, does, wow. doesn't just mean, yeah, that doesn't just mean African-American people or just Black people. That's everybody that's considered a minority. We have to be represented. And so for me, I, I want to be able to, to be the catalyst for that. That's wild. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk to us today. Very much appreciate it. Um, tell the people where they can find out more about you and the business and anything else that they might be interested in around Nubian Human as a store and online space and events. You can find Nubian Human online and we're uh, nubianhuman.com and it's N-U-B-I-A-N-H-U-E-M-A-N.com. We're also on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter under the same name as well. You can also find us physically in the Anacostia Arts Center. So at 1231 Good Hope Road, Southeast DC, and then on Baltimore, in Baltimore in the Mount Vernon area at 211 West Reed Street. And as far as our events, our biggest event is the Black Love Experience. More information is at blackloveexperience.com. And we're actually in the thick of planning for that for 2020. So uh, March 21st, 2020 is when that event will be happening in its seventh year. So that's how you find us. Seventh year. That's crazy. I know, know, right? I (laughs) I cannot wait to attend. And again, thank you so much. It was good to have you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, there's good news. We've got additional free resources for you to get clear on your small business finances. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter by heading to littlefishaccounting.com slash subscribe and check us out on Instagram at littlefishaccounting.